Hello and welcome to episode 139 of Church in Maine. In this episode, we'll ask the question, why are you a Christian, a member of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ? And we'll be talking to a retired pastor to answer that question. Hello and welcome to episode 139 of Church in Maine. This is the podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and modern life. My name is Dennis Sanders. I'm your host. I'm a pastor in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. And um, this is the podcast, as I say, where we try to kind of talk about things that happen at the intersection of the faith that we believe and modern life. 21st century modern life. So, um, as many of you know, I, uh, as I said, I am a pastor, and I'm a pastor. Uh, my tradition that I belong to is the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Not a very large tradition here um, in the United States. Actually, not a very large tradition, especially here where I live in Minnesota, which is, um, as I call it, the land of Lutherans and Catholics. Um, and I remember when I was in the seminary. I would tell people of uh, the denomination I belong to, and there was this kind of a blank look. You know, there, we weren't that numerous here in Minnesota. We still aren't, actually. We shrunk. Um, and so always took some people understanding of what this was all about. Um, and I also kind of did not grow up in this tradition. I actually came to this tradition in the mid-90s, um, and I actually can remember the person that kind of, probably he didn't know it, but did in some ways brought me into the tradition. Um, when I was living in D.C. in the mid-1990s, I happened to meet this person, a man by the name of Pablo Stone, um, and he was a disciple, a member of a church in suburban Maryland, and so I was curious about this tradition and learned a little bit more about it. And when I moved to Minnesota, uh, joined the Disciples Church and got to know more and know more about this tradition. And I've been part of this tradition ever since. And so I, when I, um, especially because lately I haven't been able to do um, interviews because of some um, recording issues, um, I wanted to actually talk to someone about why they are Disciples of Christ. Um, and instead of having yet another episode where you just heard me prattle on, um, I decided to talk to uh, Doug Skinner. Doug Skinner is a retired uh, Disciples of Christ pastor. Um, he has pastor churches um, mainly in Texas. Um, and he grew up, he did not grow up disciple. He actually grew up um, Episcopalian. Um and so in this episode, we kind of talk a little bit about what made him, what was his journey to becoming a disciples? Um, what keeps him a disciple? Um, and what are some of the issues facing this tradition? Um, this hopefully, I think, is start of a kind of an informal series where I'll kind of talk to some people from various traditions, but especially from my own tradition of, this, of the disciples of Christ about why are they disciple? Um, and so that's kind of what we talk about here. It's a good, good long talk. We talk about his journey. As I said, we also talk about really some of the issues that are, are current issues and how really some of the cultural issues are facing um, the church, especially around the concept of the table. Um, for those of you who are not super familiar, we're part of a larger movement that was called the Restoration Movement. Um, sometimes it's called the Stone Campbell Movement, as a, of two of its founders. And you know, one of the things that I think was important about that um, movement was that it was a movement of unity, Christian unity, especially at a time when there was a lot of division, um, especially when it came to things such as um, 
of creeds and and um, all of that. So we kind of talk about that and about the sense of bringing people to the table, how that belief is being threatened today by our culture, and even also also what is the future of our denomination and our tradition. So um, without that, with, without any more talk from me, uh, let's hear it um, with the interview. Um, this is the second time he's actually on the podcast um, with Doug Skinner. Well, Doug, it is uh, great to um, have you back and um, have you here now. It's probably about a year and a half ago, kind of talking about communion. Um, and this one's sort of related, but um, we're both in the same denomination, Christian Church Disciples of Christ, um, living as I do, as I like to say, in the land of Lutherans and Catholics, um, <laughs> kind of whenever you say um, – what denomination you're part of. Sometimes people understand that. Sometimes you'll get a blank stare. I got that a lot 20 years ago when I was in seminary. Um, but we kind of went to a Lutheran to school, right? Yeah. Cause yeah. I went to yeah. a Lutheran yeah. school and yeah. not just that. I mean, like the largest of the ELCA right. seminaries. So especially there was just like, Oh, okay. I don't know <laughs> what that is. It's like, huh? No yeah, one we, here does. We have that same problem down here in the land of Southern Baptists, and uh, you know. The, so the the difference, Dennis, down here, and you know, I can I can say, you know, you've heard of Texas Christian University. You know, mm-hmm. we're the Christian in that, and yeah. uh, and you know that that TCU's had this wonderful um, kind of season. Um, you know, there's a higher profile for that. That that uh, you know, almost everybody down here has some TCU connection. So I can say that you know that we're, we're that's our school. Um, um, as as kind of remotely linked as we mm-hmm. are to the day to day operations of it, but at least that's a that's a point of contact. Well, and you know, football, Texas, exactly that, that helps. That makes exactly. a lot easier. <laughs> and, and a winning football team. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, when you win, when you win the Texas State University Championship of all the beat all the other Texas schools, then then you got bragging rights for for at least a year. So I guess maybe the the way to start this is that you didn't grow up disciple. Um, and also, so I guess maybe to find out what was your background and what led you ultimately to the disciples? Yeah. I I don't know. You you may have a parallel to this up there in the the great North, but down here, there's a bumper sticker that you see on a lot of cars. And it says, I I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here just as quickly as I could. Um, (laughs) And, 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 you know, so there's that kind of that Texas pride. And I, I tell people that's kind of my story of disciples. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not a blue blood disciple. Um, you know, wasn't born in this tradition, but, but got here, um, as quickly as I could. And, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, mom and dad, you know, this whole story starts kind of with their spiritual formation and, uh, you know, their dad's family was, was, was Presbyterian with some Presbyterian ministers in it. Um, and mom's family were Methodists. In fact, from mm. Duluth, uh, oh. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom grew, was born in Duluth and her, uh, the first, first Methodist Episcopal church in Duluth back in the day was what he was the, her her grandfather was the minister of that church. So, okay. So we have this Methodist, this Methodist Presbyterian kind of connection. Um, you know, I don't think mom and dad were were raised. I think dad more than mom were raised uh, churched in a kind of the sense of going to church every Sunday, but it was a part of their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they got married, um, uh, it was after the war, uh, and uh, mom had, mom had become a nurse and had gone to a nursing school that was Roman Catholic. And I think I think she really kind of came alive um, in in a Roman Catholic kind of context. And I think um, I think if, if if all things had been equal, I think she would have converted. Uh, but she as much told me so. Um, but Dad wouldn't have it. Uh, you know, Dad was you know the old that old uh, kind of reformed Presbyterian. Um, you know the you know the Harland on the Seven Hills kind of uh, uh, a view. And so uh, so they they compromised. 
and they compromised as Episcopalians. You know, they found they found the Episcopal Church to be kind of a safe place where mom got kind of the liturgy and the tradition, the high church smells and bells that she needed. And and dad had um, kind of a solidly uh, um, you know, 1950s Eisenhower, you know, uh, uh, solid um, kind of American Protestant experience. Um, it helped that the the priest of that church, Father Softly, was was a veteran of the war and also had come to the priesthood after having been in the business world. Mm. So he was he was a man's man, and I think that really appealed to Dad and to his generation. So so they kind of wound up in a congregation, an Episcopal little Episcopal church out in California, and that's kind of where I was. I was raised. That was that was the that was home, spiritual home for for me, for my sisters and mom and dad. And we were every Sunday kinds of folks. Um, you know, we we were you know that little church was everything to us. Um, so you know, so the guy, that's kind of that's where the story begins. You know, I was I was raised Episcopal. I I went on a retreat um, in the seventh grade. I, you know, twelve years old. Um, the 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 men of the church and and the boys uh, would go up to a monastery in Santa Barbara. Um, uh, you know, the Episcopal Church has monasteries, has a monastic tradition, and this was a, a Benedictine um, monastery, Order of the Holy Cross. And you know, Dennis, that what you know what happened there was uh, I've described to other people. You know, everything that I had been told about God, you know, about who God is and what God does, and all of the the trappings that go with being churched suddenly kind of a light got turned on and it became real. You know, so the, the God that I believed in, you know, the, you know, I, I would stand up and say the creed and, you know, I could, you know, even still from memory, but something happened, an encounter with God um, at the, at the retreat. And, and it was very mystical. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a Billy Graham kind of an experience. It was just a, a mystical awareness that, that uh, this is real. And so I, I came back from that um, with a with a sense of call, mm. just a really strong sense of call, and I thought well, I thought that meant um, because of the where, where it happened and what it, I thought what it meant was was I was going to be a monk. You know, I thought I thought that a monastic call was, and that was that. By the way, that's a really easy thing to consider before puberty. Um, uh, you know the you know celibacy and obedience <laughs> and poverty and somebody yeah. else is paying your bills and and girls still have cooties uh, in my 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 orientation uh, you know that was easy you know that got a little bit more complicated as 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 time went on um, so for you know for the, for middle school junior high school years I'm not okay I'm an Episcopalian I'm going to be I'm going to be a monk I'm, that, you know that's that's uh, Dennis I even I even wrote the abbot of that monastery at twelve and offered myself. And, and, and the, the wisdom of that guy, you know, I, I, it, it was really wise. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't brush it aside. You know, he didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't mock it or dismiss it as, um, you know, kind of a silly, uh, you know, he, he honored it, you know, he, he took it seriously. And he said, he said, you know, you know, we don't, we don't even consider anybody, you know, until they're in their mid twenties, you know, they've got, you got to have some experience there. So he, you know, but he gave some counsel. You know, he said, you know, study and read and, and explore. And, and that, it was, it was, a, it was a really, it was a, a gift that he gave me. It was kind of like saying, I hear you and I honor what you're saying. It's not time yet. Uh, the time will come if it's, if it's a real call, it'll be there down the road. Uh, so, okay. So I kind of, I bounced around that way. Then I did have a Billy Graham experience. Um, you know, I, I had a, I had a kind of an evangelical awakening on the cusp of high school. Mm-hmm. And, and that just, that was fruit basket upset, you know, until, until then, until I, you know, I thought monastic Anglican high church, that's, that was where I was going. And then, then all of a sudden, you know, this, this, this evangelical, um, uh, awakening, uh, you know, attention to scripture and to, you know, private, you know, pr- praying not from a book, but from your heart. Uh, it just revolutionized things, and so I was I was a most confused uh, spiritual person in high school. Uh, and we can throw we, you know we can I'll throw other things in there. You know I'm still kind of rooted Anglican because that was the family church, but but I, I had this other thing going on. Um, was involved in a couple of small group Bible studies that were very Bible church Baptist oriented. Um, uh, you know I had. Uh, 
a really good friend who was a Congregationalist. This was this was right after kind of Congregationalists and Evangelical Reform came together for UCC, but he was old Congregationalist, and so I was kind of involved with his church. I was just kind of, I was all over the waterfront. Even Dennis, even went to Angelus Temple. Uh, this was well after Amy Simple McPherson, but it still had that imprint. That was my kind of my first uh, brush with Pentecostalism. And, uh, you know, for this high church Episcopal boy uh, suddenly being in a uh, you know one of the the mainstays of American Pentecostal tradition, it was eye opening and um, you know alluring and terrifying all at the same time. You know there it was clear there was something going on there, uh, but I couldn't I could I couldn't didn't compute. Um, so all you know all all this stuff is being kind of thrown into the into the blender of my soul, and um, you know finally kind of finally wound up. Uh, leaving the Episcopal tradition, uh, um, it, it, it was painful uh, because mom and dad remained Episcopal, high church Episcopal, and and saw dad more than mom saw it as kind of a uh, a betrayal. You know that that, that you know, they they took, which is ironic because they were you know they were they were uh, you know wing kind of parents, parents, you know, who said, you know, the roots and wings thing, and they were big on wings. They expected their kids to, to make choices and to be independent and, 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 uh, um, but this one kind of, they didn't see this one coming. You know, mm. I think they, they didn't see leaving the kind of the womb of, of the spiritual home that they'd, and I think they saw it as criticism. I think dad, again, more than mom saw it, that I was rejecting something of, of, Rejecting and, and criticizing what they had given me uh, in terms of that spiritual foundation, and and I was a knucklehead, you know, teenager, and so I suspect there might have been some of that in there, you know, that you know some of that separation stuff you've got to do, but it was very difficult. I wound up at a at a, at a, a conservative Baptist church, got got baptized, um, and and uh, that you know that was that was a really I don't want to say knockdown drag out. It came as close to a knockdown drag out fight with my father. Um, I wanted him to come to the baptism, the immersion, and and uh, he, he his answer when I asked him, I said, "Dad, you know, I'm going to be baptized Sunday night. I I'd really like you to be there." And he said, uh, "He said I was already at your baptism. Uh, in fact, he said I held you." And mm. I thought, oh, you know, and you know, I, I was just gut wrenching. The day of, you know, he he was not going to come, um, um, and. Uh, and yet, Dennis, at the, the when I so I did all, and for me, it was important to to do this on my own. I had to do this as much as as much as I honored my father and loved my my father, um, and knew that it was causing pain. I knew I had to do this. It was that sense of uh, this is this is my step of obedience. Uh, and and when I was baptized, I looked in the back of the church, and my dad was standing on the back wall. So, uh, so that was kind of the blessing. So all of that. So at the same time that was happening, this congregational church called that I was, that I was going with my other friend, um, they called a pastor who had, who was, had been a disciple. Um, mm. and so suddenly, you know, I'm aware of disciples. Um, I'd read about disciples. Um, uh, do you remember Luke magazines? They did a series of on American denominations. Uh, this was back in the, um, this was back in the '60s, I suppose, late '50s, '60s. Uh, it got Leo Rostin, 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 R-O-S-T-E-N, wrote a, put them all together in a book called "Religions in America," and mm. it, so they were just they were just little little not more than vignettes. They were examinations of of all of the kind of American denominations. So there was a one on Methodists, one on Presbyterians, one on Lutherans, and and there was one on disciples. James Craig, uh, old editor of the the the, uh, the disciple, it was before the disciple. Um, one of our editors did a, did a kind of a Q and a about disciples. And I remember, you know, when this, when this upheaval began to happen in my life and I was looking for a place to be, um, I read the, the one about the Christian church disciples of Christ. And I thought wow, that's, that is, that sounds really, that sounds really appealing. Um, uh, but I'd never seen a Christian church, you know, they, you know, the, the, I, I, they, they were out there in California, but not, not mm-hmm. big, they were not prominent. But I didn't. I wouldn't have known what if it had come up and hit me in the head with a two by four. So suddenly, um, this guy at this congregational church, who was an ordained disciple minister, suddenly I, I, I kind of began to make the connection, and it was through that association 
and a series of other associations that came to making a college. I was going to go to a Christian college. I, you know, so I still had a call to ministry. It wasn't, wasn't monastic any longer, um, but, it, but I, I was going to be a minister. I knew that. Um, and I had two options. I had, uh, you know, I'd, I'd found a small uh, college in Eugene, Oregon that is, was connected to the, the Christian church, uh, Northwest Christian College, and, and then California Baptist in Southern California, the, because of the association with this little conservative Baptist church I was going to, mm-hmm. they had, uh, uh, they had kind of made connections. So I had kind of this, and I, I, I knew, I kind of even knew in the choice, you know, choose this, my life is going to go a certain direction, choose this, it's going to go a different direction. And, and through a whole series of circumstances and situations and leadings, I wound up in Oregon at this little Christian church college. And, and that was, you know, you know, all, everything, everything fit. And, and so that was, that was the kind of what clinched. I knew I was going to be in, in kind of the Stone Campbell world. Um, and, and, and that was really the, uh, kind of the first public identification with, with this tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew, you know, kind of backing up in the story, what it was in that James Craig article. Uh, about the the disciples that that made sense to me um, and that connected deeply was he made a statement about how in the Christian church disciples of Christ, um, theological conservatives and theological liberals, I think it was the language he used, um, come together at the same Lord's table. And they find they find that 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 uh, by focusing on on Jesus, uh, on who he is and what he's done for us, that that everything else, becomes secondary, and we find our essential unity um, at at the table. And you know, Dennis, I, I got to tell you that that you know, that first of all, that that appealed to my temperament, which which is which is to see the complexity of things, and 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 to try to find the common ground where complex ideas can kind of dwell together. It it, it was certainly my spiritual upbringing, um, Episcopal. Uh, kind of the the middle way church, trying to hold together Protestantism and Catholicism, and trying to find this. There's a there's a, a common place where we can stand. Um, so, it, centering on the table, emphasizing unity. Um, uh, that, that I think that was the the commonality between the Episcopal heritage that I was raised with and and the disciple tradition that I wound up in. Do you think that the um, the centrality of the of the table and the fact that you know we have communion every Sunday was in some ways kind of a a through line, a familiarity with yeah. what you grew up with as an Episcopalian. Absolutely, you know. And the other, yeah, I, I think so. The other thing, uh, and and I, I think I've come to a keener appreciation of this at later. It certainly wasn't then, but you know the. Even even baptism and you know the kind of the old disciple formulation of baptism for the remission of sins you know that 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 Campbell argument that he makes in Christian system and that being the language that you know obviously that's in the creed as well with with we believe in one baptism for the remission of sin you know so there there, there I, th- I think Lord's table was certainly at the center of that commonality that 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 through line but I, I would maybe expand that a, a little bit and and talk about that there's a sacramentalism. Mm-hmm. Okay, there, you know the uh, you know old Alexander Campbell said you know that 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 in the future if if disciples are going to be conspicuous for anything they will be conspicuous for the attention that they give to the gospel ordinances and and you know so when I when I went up in disciples and heard the language of baptism for the remission of sins and the importance of of baptism and the importance of of weekly Lord's Supper um, yeah those those connected with that 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 embodied um, outward and visible, inward and invisible um, um, understanding of, of faith. So that sacramental cast of, of mind and heart, I think that was certainly how I was, I was formed spiritually. And I found in the Christian church, I found that, but but I also found something that I didn't have in, in the, the Episcopal heritage, mm-hmm. which is what pushed me. And that and that was, that was, and I don't, I, 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 I this is going to sound critical perhaps, and I don't mean it, to, to sound that way because it was my experience of it, not necessarily the, it's, it's my fault, not the fault of, of the tradition. Okay. And that was that I found that it was really easy in, in, in a, in a high church liturgical, um, really scrupulous attention 
to the detail of ritual high church Christianity, high church Anglicanism, that 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 became an end in itself. Okay, mm-hmm. so that so that to use to use Sam Shoemaker's analogy about the fire in the fireplace, you know that that there the, the fireplace. I, I was so focused on fireplace kinds of concerns. Um, you know, as it, with the, you know, the propriety of ritual, doing ritual right. I was an acolyte in the master ceremonies for my congregation. I was, you know, I was, I was intimately involved in that and evaluated everything by performance. You know, how did we do? You know, did we did we hit our marks? Did we do everything right? Did we? It, I was so focused on that that I that I missed the the passion, the heart, the fire of this. And I think the evangelical, the Billy, what, you know, what the whole Billy Graham thing did is it cracked open this whole idea of, of Jesus being in my heart, you know, that there is, there is a, there is this intimate, personal relationship with Christ. Um, everything that the, the, everything that the church told me about Christ was true, but it wasn't real. Okay. It was, it's, it became real in this kind of evangelical awakening, uh, that in scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, even though, even though, and I truly appreciate Book of Common Prayer, still use it in my spiritual life, and it's it's just it's just rich with scripture. Um, but I never use scripture as you know, sitting down and reading scripture, and you know, it's like a Bible study of trying to say, you know, what is this, what is this saying, and and so what, not just the what, but the so what. So that that cracked open. What I needed from uh, from kind of my movement to the disciples was. Surely that appreciation of sacramentalism, but but also heartfelt religion. You know, a religion, a religion that was a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So in the good in the good confession, you know, but Matt Pat rang the bell when when the good confession. You know, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the Living God. That was that. That's the deliverance of the tradition. You know, that's the that's you know this is this is what's true. Okay, and I mm-hmm. saluted and say absolutely. I think that's true. But then it goes on to say, and is he your Lord and Savior? You know, and that's that's where, for at least for me, that became personal. Okay, it's this 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 um, theological, biblical, doctrinal truth, but it is experienced as my Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior. You know, there is there is a sense in which you know my 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 experience of grace and the 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 direction of the obedience, the 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 long obedience of faithfulness is is anchored in. So it's it. That's what the disciple tradition gave me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, what I hear a lot and what I probably would say I've also experienced is a lot of sense of balance. Yes. Of a balance yes. between, um, I, for lack of a better word, head and heart. Mm-hmm. Um, a balance in some ways between uh, theological liberalism, theological conservatism. And... I think one of the things I find interesting, maybe in early 21st century America or in our world, is how much we don't really appreciate balance anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think you can even see that in within the denomination itself. Yeah. So I, I guess, uh, how do you try to maintain that balance, especially in an age where it feels like we don't want to do that anymore. We want to either yeah. just pick one side over the other and, and not even just pick one side over the other, but to, to say that the other side is illegitimate. Right. I, I think that's the, you know, my, my, it's not despair, Dennis. I'm not despairing, but my, you know, I my kind of the shaking of my foundations. It has occurred over the last five, six years watching the increasing polarization. You know, I, I was aware, you know, I, being involved in the uh, you know the, the the discernment panel on the inclusion of gay and lesbian folks in the life of the church, I became aware of the kind of the the ugliness of our polarization. Um, you know my the, the, you know as an evangelical as as kind of a traditional disciple um, who nevertheless wanted to t- create a stance of openness and, and embrace, um, tried to reach out to my peers. You know, kind of the, our wing of the church. To get them to the table to talk about this stuff and to be rebuffed again and again and again, you know, we we made a we made a the, the whole panel um, went to a part of the country deliberately to talk to a segment of of our community 
um, that were most adamantly opposed to to the conversation. You know, they, mm-hmm. they you know they, they were they questioned the legitimacy of gay and lesbian folks uh, being Christians. They objected to the idea that gay and lesbian you know they are gay and lesbian Christians. Um, and so we deliberately made a journey to to them and set up a, a series of listening conferences with those folks. And uh, the night before, we, we all arrive, and we're all ready to go, and, and we get a call and saying, they're not coming, you know. They're, they're, and, and so there we sit, and I thought, to me, that was a, to me, that was a rude and heartbreaking um, uh, experience of the polarization that we have, because it just seemed to me to be such a, a denial of of that principle of table, you know, I, I made my way to the disciples because of of this of, of James Craig's witness that you know that the ta- you know, we at the table first things are first, okay, and you know we we know that it's our common allegiance to to, to the biblical Christ to the Jesus who is the Son of the Living God and our Lord and Savior that that if you can say that and I can say that we're kin, okay, we are we are bound. And and it's not always easy, but I'm going to hang on to you, and you're going to hang on to me, and we're gonna we're gonna figure out a way to to make this thing work. Um, that had always been my experience of, of, of Christian church disciples of Christ. My you know my favorite people ask me, so what is it? You know, tell me about the Christian church. What I have traditionally talked about is a Sunday school class at one of my earlier churches, the my church down in Houston where I was pastor, and it was it was probably a room of the brightest group of people I've ever known. They were all, you know, they were all really smart folks, uh, well-educated, uh, engaging and, and active, and and couldn't be more divided on any, any issue. And, and they would go at it like cats and dogs. Um, you know, they, they just, and, and they were intelligent, you know, Dennis, they, these were folks who, you know, who, it wasn't just, you know, the pooling of ignorance. These were informed, well-read um, people who had thought things through. And, and so for, you know, for the hour of Sunday school, back and forth, they'd go on any given issue, you know, and if you sat in that room and watched that, you would say, these folks, you know, this is crazy. They, you know, these, these folks don't like each other. And, and then the next hour we go into worship. And what you'd see is that these would be people who would be presiding at the table together as elders or mm-hmm. members of the diaconate serving communion together or sitting side by side in the choir singing the hymns or, or you know, it, these, these were folks who, who, who understood that, that there is, there is a, there is a, a center that holds and that everything else is, is secondary. Um, that's, that image is, is kind of my understanding of what it means to be a disciple. And, but that's, that's what's fallen apart. I remember right before I retired, um, having lunch with with another disciple colleague that I'd been in seminary with, who was retiring, and with New Williams from from the dean of of uh, Bright Divinity School, who's since retired. And we were having lunch. We'd done this a couple times a year for years, just the three of us getting together for lunch, and we were talking. and And this was the conversation. Okay, yeah. does does the center hold? You know, does this does this is it naive to think that a common allegiance to to Jesus is, is the Christ and the living God and Lord and Savior? Is it naive to think that 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 is enough to hold the diverge diverse parts of our church together? And you know, I kind of came out of that lunch with those guys, you know, just kind of I don't want to say worried, but but unsettled by the idea that maybe maybe I'm wrong, maybe we're wrong. You know, maybe maybe it's not enough to hold. Um, but now uh, that was uh, I try to push that thought aside. You know, but you know, frankly, to, for me right now, Dennis, that that is more that is more an affirmation of faith and hope than it is um, something that I see. You know, the that definition of faith faith is the uh, Hebrews eleven the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. You know, my understanding of of, of kind of our disciple identity statement. You know that that you know we're you know a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. Heaven's sakes, Dennis, we're a we're, you know I'm a movement for wholeness in a fragmented church. You know, you know the, yes, the world is fragmented, but our church is fragmented. And, uh, you know, and to me, it's, it's painful. It's just, it's just painful to, to see. What do you think is behind that fragmentation? I mean, you know, there, 
I think when I came into the denomination, and that was in the mid-90s, I think there was still that kind of bringing people together from different different backgrounds, different theologies. And it seems like that isn't that hasn't been the case maybe in the last five to ten years. Yeah. What are the factors you think that are happening in society, but we, even within the denomination itself, that are kind of driving people apart? Yeah. You know, I... So to me, it's a question, I, and I don't know. I, I can point more to I think to symptoms, uh, you know, of, of this rather than to you know. I can I, I know the symptoms of disease. I don't know that I know the cause of the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you know, you know, you and I. One of the th- one of the best things about our friendship is that you know we both kind of theologically, but I think even kind of politically, you know, tend to be that that that, that centrist, maybe centrist, leaning a little bit right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and, you know, to have watched, to have watched the, the, the disintegration of, of kind of the political norms that, that at one time governed, uh, political discourse, you know, I find, I find that incredibly distressing. And, but then I turn my attention to church and, and see the same thing. You know, what, what I have witnessed kind of in the last, last third of my ministry, um, what I watch increasingly were that were people were walking away. You know, people, you know, the, before, you know, first half of my ministry, maybe the first two thirds of my ministry, and I, and I got my first, you know, I was ordained in 79. Um, uh, my first license for ministry, I got that in 75. So I've been in kind of the, 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 the vocational ministry since, since 1975. Um, and, you know, so the, you know, like you saying to mid nineties, maybe, maybe pushing up to the, the beginning of the aughts, the, the 21st. Um, century, the you know, I, I, there was this, there was this, you know, we don't agree, but but we're family. Mm-hmm. Uh, General assemblies, okay. I remember, I remember some some Donnie Brooks at general assemblies, and 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 then afterwards going out to you know lunch or dinner with with the folks that that you disagree with. You know, there was there seminary, you know, my seminary experience in the early in the 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 you know seventy seventy five to to seventy six seventy nine, you know that. We didn't see eye to eye, but but we knew that we were kin, and we knew that we were part of the same family. And nobody nobody threatened to take their ball and go home. Okay, what I saw in the last twenty years of my ministry, what more and more people were walking away. You know, more more and more people for and uh, and, and sadly, this is my perception because I these are. This is my part of the family, you know. My 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 tree of the family were the traditionalists, the conservatives, the event. How do you want to describe us? You know, they laughed. You know, I don't know about you, you know, but but when I go to, you know, when I when I interact with my clergy colleagues, even down here, even down here in Texas, you know, all the folks, all the folks that that I would have had some sense of affinity theologically with, those folks have all gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I'm kind of like the last, last one standing. Uh, now, you know, there, there are some of those, there's a, a younger layer that have popped up, um, you know, that, that we both know and, and interact with. And, and I, I appreciate, um, but, but that's a different thing. You know, the, they're not, they're not many folks like myself who, who's, you know, who would identify as evangelical orthodox or however you want it, who, who stuck it out. You know, most of those folks left. And and membership, okay, you know, I I just saw you know the, more and more of my folks you know leaving, uh, really got got real brittle in in the way that they they handled things, you know, whether it be whether it be a social issue, you know, obviously the gay and lesbian stuff was part of that, but it, that it, not just that, you know, there's it's it's. That was one of, of uh, you know, women in ministry. Maybe that's the first time I saw it, is that, that some people would walk away because of women in ministry. Uh, um, and that settled down. And then, then uh, you know, then, women, you know, the gay and lesbian folks. And, um, yeah, they, they, you know, from my perception, those folks left. And I think along with that is the rise of the megachurch. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that is a huge phenomenon down here. Is these megachurches that that uh, be generous? Um, you know, I don't want to say they they stole sheep, but but they stole sheep. 
Yeah, so, we did. you know, and, and, you know, made it, you didn't have, you know, you could be a member of those churches and get the, get the, you know, high entertainment, high production service didn't cost you a thing. You know, you, you know, you go in, you sit, you, you do your hour, you get a you know, first class band and a, and a, you know, a snappy 15 minute lesson on how to live your life. And, 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 uh, the Christmas show, you know, the holiday season that that had camels and and you know flying wise men and you, you had it, you know, you know, okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. And then then and we get smoked into that. Then the the uh, you know the political stuff that got smuggled into that. You know the 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 abandonment of of you know, and maybe that goes back to you know to the. Uh, what was it? The moral majority and the the rise of a religious right. Um, uh, of course, that's all we woven in there too. So, I don't know. It, 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 I, 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 I see the wounds. I, you know, I, I, I see the aftermath. You know, um, you know, I see the the wreckage it's created. Uh, you know, I, I could I could get I suppose I get really apocalyptic here. You know, and, and kind of you know see that there is a struggle. I mean, there is a struggle at the at the heart of of the cosmos, and mm-hmm. it shows itself in the in the church. And and you know, if I read Ephesians one right, that you know that the the, the eternal purpose of God is to bring fragmented things back together to to you know this this idea that that uh, you know that that things in heaven and things in earth that the Christ is bringing those things back together. So the opposite part of that is the chaos. That is created by the anti-God force. You know, I, I, I could, you know, I could, I could talk about that for a while. I don't know that that's that maybe that's a whole other hour. But but you know, there is a sense in which there is. I think there is there is something adversarial at work in the system. You mm-hmm. know, there's there's something that 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 doesn't want the unity that that we have said we are committed to. That that works actively against it. Yeah, I, I what I find interesting, I. Obviously, because of where I'm living and and coming from, I see some of that also coming from kind of I guess what you would say the left as as well. Um, you know, one of the things that I remember, and this was when I was still having grown up Baptist, going going to a Baptist church in D.C., um, and I've told the story about a. Um, they were, the church was going to hire a part-time pastor um, who was very much um, in favor of LGBTQ rights, and especially in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. And so that caused a bit of controversy. Um, but what was interesting is one of the persons who spoke in favor of her was a, um, a woman. Um, they were good friends, but they came from different theological understandings, Um the pastor was more theologically liberal. Um, this woman was more theologically um, evangelical, and they didn't agree, even on especially on this issue. But they were friends, and she spoke up for her. And um, that person be you know, and and the the pastor joined the staff. But I remember that, and I remember a lot about those times when churches really were coming to terms with that issue. And there was a vote usually about you know whether a church was going to be coming open and affirming or something. There was a phrase I would hear over and over again from people: "We have some healing to do." And, and the, the 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 importance about that was that this was a decision and it was important; it had to be made. But there was also a concern about the the body itself and how does that body heal because they knew that not everyone agreed. Um, and so that's kind of something that I remember hearing in the, in the, in the 90s that I don't hear as much anymore. Yeah. And, and um, in fact, what I, what I hear, Dennis, is, is it, 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 I hear we don't want to reconcile. We don't want to heal. We're, no, we we're don't. better off with them not here. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a different spirit than I'm I'm accustomed to, and I understand I understand that that I'm hearing that from kind of the the, the theological left because they won the day in the denomination, mm-hmm. you know they're the victors, and and all the others 
who who might have said that and who very well say that in private, you know, left. Yeah. Yeah. I, Francis Schaeffer was a huge kind of influence on me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, early on, you know, you know, I, I, in so many ways I've outgrown, you know, my, the, the Schaefer stuff, but, but on the other hand there, you know, some of the architecture of my soul is very much Francis Schaefer and, and, and his, his, his book, which remains, I think the, you know, the, the, the crown jewel in his, in his writings, um, the mark of the Christian, um, uh, you know, he, he writes about, you know, visible love. In unity, and unity, and tells the story of, of the a couple of brethren groups in Germany during World War II, and some of them some of them became part of the Confessing Church, and others kind of kowtowed and became part of you know it kind of got assimilated into the state church, and so these were people who believed the same things, uh, you know who 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 you know sang the same hymns, who shared the same heritage, uh, in many cases were members of the same biological family. Um, but who went different ways during the war. And of course, the ones who became part of the confessing church suffered mightily uh, as a result of that. In fact, many of them, their leaders wound up in concentration camps and, and were exterminated. Um, you know, so, uh, so Schaefer talked about how after the war, um, you know, these, these, these brethren, this fragmented brethren knew they had some healing to do and how they went about it. Francis said, was was they they gathered in a kind of in a commonplace campground kind of a setting um and to to simply to to pray together and to and to and to read scripture together and to be together and and uh i'm trying to remember exactly the words that francis used but something the effect was and after you know four or five days they knew they were one Mm. and i thought you know, we want to, you know, I, you know, nothing, you know, what, what did they do? What, you know, what, what resolutions did they pass? You know, what, you know, how did, you know, how did, no, it was this more of just, you know, let's walk together. Um, let's pray together. Yeah. For me, that's the, you know, that story embodies for me kind of the, the, the true spirit of what it means to be a disciple. That is to say, you know, that, that yeah, we have diverse, terribly you know, dramatic and, and consequential divergences. Okay. You know, I think, you know, we used to brag, this is, you know, we used to brag that, you know, we're the only American church that didn't divide during the civil war over slavery. Well, maybe we should have, you know, and in fact, we did, I think, I think church of Christ disciples is, is evidence of, of that split, but, but okay. You know, but, but at least our founders were saying, you know, that, that, you know, our common allegiance to Jesus compels us to stay in difficult relationship with each other. Gay, lesbian, GT, that likewise, you know, you know, maybe that is something worth splitting over. But I would like to think that we can hang that, that our table theology, the you know, our, the uh, you know, the, the ought to be the glue that holds us in that difficult union where we can grow together and 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 be transformed by each other. Your 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 article recently that you posted about about. Uh, um, discipleship, you know, evangelization, you know, the, the, the idea that, that, you know, yes, the church, you know, it's, it, we need to take positions. I'm, I'm, you can quote it, but you wrote it, but my take on what you said was, was absolutely the inclusion of gay and lesbian folks in the life of the community. Absolutely. But we also have to disciple those folks. You know, we also, we also have to, you know, help them grow in their relationship with Christ. And I, I get my knife, but my spiritual naivete is, you know, if, if you get a, Somebody who's opposed to to the inclusion and welcome of full participation of gay lesbian folks, and somebody who is in favor of it, and they don't see eye to eye on that, but if they stay in communion with each other and keep coming to the table and keep praying with each other, change is going to occur. It's got to occur. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my favorite my favorite story of of our heritage in recent years, maybe the high water mark of my um, we had we had a very prominent evangelical pastor here in the Dallas area. Um, back in the Michael Kinnaman days, remember when Michael Kinnaman was running for, was the nominee for general minister and president, and he was, he was open and affirming. And mm-hmm. there were parts of the church that were not. And of course, Southwest region was, was one of those. And so, so Mike, Michael went on a kind of a tour of, of the, of the country and popped up all over the country to have chances for people to interact with him. 
Now, well, I wasn't at this meeting. I was at the one in Houston. But the one here in Dallas happened at the church I pastored later, Northway. Um, mm-hmm. and this this very high-profile um, um, evangelical disciple pastor was at that meeting. Um, and, and of course, he would, you know, how he, like how he would go, you know, he had lots of folks who were looking to him as kind of the, the voice and face. They needed to know what, what David was going to do about this. Um, and, and so Michael came and, and after I'm told this is hearsay, um, uh, after the, after the public gathering, um, this guy and, and Michael went to dinner together. And, and, uh, you know, they, you know, they engineered, it was engineered this way. They, and they sat down at dinner and they had a nice cordial dinner together. And then because this guy and Michael are both scholars, they kind of pushed all the dirty dishes, you know, away and they put out, um, Greek and Hebrew copies of the new, te- of the old Testament, new Testament from them. And then they spent three hours talking texts wow. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And. The next day, David came out in his newsletter and said, "said uh, you know, I, I I do not agree, you know, with every position that Michael Kimmon has taken." He says, "But he is my brother in Christ, and I have no doubt that he is he is as serious about the authority of Scripture and is as serious about Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior as I am, and I fully endorse his candidacy as general minister and president." I think that's what it means to be a disciple. Okay. I think think that's what it means to be a disciple. So how do you think that that you can, how do you think that that spirit can be renewed? Yeah. um, In the denomination, but you know, I think as a, a tradition that could be also be something that could teach the wider society as well. I th- you know, I think it's a spiritual issue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I, I'm not going to discount, you know, any of the kind of the spiritual dynamics. Uh, um, you know, kind of like that story with these Michael Kinman, this guy who, you know, who, who go to Scripture together and, and, you know, come let us reason together. I think disciples at our best are people who stay in conversation with each other. So trying to broker those conversations. Um, you know, I, I know, I know how fraught those conversations can be you know i you know i i watched con- you know people that i love walk away because they don't want to talk about something um you know whatever it might be um uh, i think it's you know <clears throat> you know my old my old kind of word and spirit orientation you know scripture and the holy spirit you know that the, they they work together um you know so my you know i i always want to you know i i always want to get you know Somebody with whom we, somebody with whom I disagree or who disagrees with me on something, I, my, my, I always want to push to kind of let's 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 sit down and 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 talk. Judith Hawk Ray, you know Judith. Uh, yes, I uh, do. Judith was on that panel, um, and and I love Judith to death. Um, she and I, she and I wrote a lot of the Bible study materials for the discernment guide together, and we spent a week together at Union in New York. Um, working on that part of the, of the, of the project. And uh, my favorite, there, there are lots of things about Judith that I love, but the, my favorite thing about Judith was, you know, whenever I would be with you, so let's, let's, let's have a Bible study. Let's do some Bible study together. And, and I, I, that was, for me, that was disarming and, and delightful, you know, is yeah. that here was, here is this, this, this woman you know, who is articulate and informed and passionate about Christ and passionate about Scripture. And 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 I'm passionate about Christ, passionate about Scripture. And it, it was in those exchanges, you know, of, of kind of in a sustained sort of way over the years of that panel that, uh, that you know, I've, I've told any number of people that, that uh, you know, who, who see me, who know me as kind of a, kind of that theological traditionalist, um, uh, conservative or evangelical, however you want to describe it. Um, and they would say, you know, who would you, you know, who would you like to have, you know, preach at, at Northway? I said, let's get Judith, you know, and, you know, we never, we never, never succeeded in pulling that off, but I would have no hesitation whatsoever because, because of the, of the way that I, you know, I, I think, I, you know, I, I saw her soul, you know, I, I, I saw her passionate commitment to Christ and, and me, that was, that's all, you know, the, the genius, the genius, 
maybe this is a way of putting a cap on all this, Dennis, the genius of that whole process that we did for the denomination uh, was Bill Paulsell's decision right at the beginning to, to make sure that we shared communion together at every session. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, that, that was, you know, Bill, Bill was, was the, the, the right person to be the, 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 kind of the magician that pulled that thing off. But the gene, part of the genius, and I think it was born of his own, uh, you know, his, his commitment to the spiritual formation process. He understood that, that this, this, was more, this was not a scholarly argument about texts or a sociological argument about, you know, about systems or a psychological conversation about, you know, how do we become who we are as human beings? He knew that, that for, in the church, this has to be a spiritual conversation. And he found that at the Lord's table. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things, just as we kind of conclude here, is um, as a denomination, we have kind of seen a lot of, of change over the last 20, 30 years. Uh, lots of loss of people, mm-hmm. um, loss of congregations. Um, and I think... I don't know if it, how it is in your neck of the woods. I, I think sometimes when I'm talking with people, a lot of concern about the future of the denomination and yeah. the tradition. Um, so I guess the way to kind of wrap things up is like, why does this tradition matter? Why, why should it find a way of continuing in some form? You know, one of the one of the guys that whose writings I have really appreciated is uh, William Thornton Henderson. He was a Presbyterian, middle judicatory kind of a guy, I think, in North Carolina. Um, wrote a wrote a half a dozen books that I found really helpful, and in one of them, he had this 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 very conversation about about the values of denominations. And mm-hmm. you know, he you know he, he he's Presbyterian and kind of reformed in that family, you know, kind of still affirming the reform perspective on a number of things. Um, but he was in a middle judicatory kind of an official within the presbytery. So, you know, he was kind of a company man. And, and so this book that he wrote, one of the books he wrote began with, with a, con- a conversation that somebody had with him about, about, you know, the, the, the future of the denomination and kind of the hand wringing that, that you and I know firsthand that we, you know, the numbers aren't good. You know, the vitality is not good. And, you know, what's going to happen? And I'm, I'm paraphrasing and, and kind of distilling what he said. But he started by saying, he says, you know, frankly, he said, I don't care if the denomination lives or dies. He says that that is of no that is of no interest to me and of, of, of no concern of mine. He said, what I am concerned about is, is that denominations and his denomination as one of them, Presbyterianism, has a way of of understanding who God is and how God works in the world. There is a there's a there's a perspective that that is intrinsic to a denomination. You know, at, at some point in church history, there were a group of people who felt strongly enough about whatever it was to say, you know, we're going to organize a church around this idea. Okay, and he, what he what he called him, Dennis. He said he said that that every every church every denomination is is like a window in a house that mm-hmm. looks out onto the reality of God and God's work in the world. And it's so every every denomination has this window that looks out into it. He says um, almost a C.S. Lewis mere Christianity kind of an idea. You know that 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 yeah. There's we have these distinctive views, and they matter. Okay, they mattered enough for people to say, you know, for us, we're no longer going to be Presbyterians. This matters enough for us to to become something else. You know, it's Barton Stone saying, "I will the the Springfield Presbytery to die and dissolve into the body of Christ." It's it's Alexander Campbell um, and, and Thomas Campbell uh, throwing away the communion tokens and saying, you know, there's there's something that matters here bigger than those denominational perspectives. So, his argument was. Understanding what is what is the window, what is the denominational window that is the denomination's gift and legacy. Okay, once you have that, he says, he says that's going to be preserved 
regardless of whatever forms come and go. You know, he said, you know, I, he, you know he, the last book I read of his, I think, I think he's, I don't know, I, he, I'm pretty sure he's gone now, but, but one of the last books he wrote, you know, he said, we're in that liminal space. We don't know what's going to happen next. Okay. You know, we're, we don't know what's going to happen institutionally. You know, mm-hmm. the, the results are not, the, you know, the, 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 you know, all the vital signs aren't good. Okay. Um, but if the institution, as we know it, dissolves, okay, using Stone's kind of language, we don't lose the perspective. Okay. So what is that perspective? You know, what is, what is the perspective that is disciple, um, our disciple window on that reality of who God is and how God works in the world? And I think what we've been talking about this whole time, I think it's, it's the reality, the centrality of Jesus Christ and, and, you know, the saving, the saving work of, of, of God in Christ that, that, that gets focused and, and, and honed in the, the table experience. There's, there's the unity kind of concern, you know, that, that, you know, being stubborn in our, our commitment to unity, being, just saying, you know, yes, I have passionate convictions about any number of things. Okay. But nothing is more foundational than my commitment to Jesus Christ. And if you can, if you can stand beside me and say that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, your Lord and Savior, okay, I, you know, I may disagree with you about everything, but I'm going to, I'm going to stubbornly stay in relationship with you because you are my brother or my sister. And then third is, and it's the piece that I think that, that I think we are doing right as disciples now, and that is the whole notion of, of, of mission. You know the the you know the way that I was taught the 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 plea of the Christian Church in Christian College was you know it's a it is a it is a, a, a commitment to the to Scripture uh, to 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 the, the 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 simplicity of the biblical witness okay so that so that we might have unity and because we need unity in order to get on with the mission of the church okay and I and I think that so those are, for me those are the kind of the three principles uh, you know an engagement with scripture not as an end in itself but as a but as a way of informing a faith with with that brings us to the table brings us into relationship with each other which is that unity piece John 17 you know that that we would be one and and but again that's not in itself neither the neither the attentiveness to scripture nor the uh, the commitment to unity are ends in themselves. Those are those are means to a larger end, which is the mission of God in the world, which I think has to do with both justification and justice. You know, it is it is the the personal gospel of salvation, and it is the social gospel of justice. Mm-hmm. So, so I whatever you know, what what happens to the institution? I don't I don't know. You know, I I, I you know you know. Uh, uh, one of my predecessors at the church in Amarillo, Dr. John Bridwell, every time we went to a minister's association meeting up there and come any prayer requests and, and John, Dr. Bridwell said, let's, let's, let's pray for the pension fund. You know, if anything, if anything survives our institutional life, you know, let's pray for the pension fund, but I don't know what's going to happen to the, the institution. Imagine the worst. Okay. Uh, which ironically is, is, Barton Warren Stone's vision of the beginning, you know, let the body, let the, let the presbytery, let the structure die. Okay. You know, what matters is the gospel. I think that's, you know, our commitment to, you know, the gospel, to the, the, the biblical witness, to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the unity that arises out of that, which are preconditions to effectiveness and mission. I think that's the pieces that we can, yeah, and, and, and which is why I'm so haunted by the failure of our church to hang together because that's our that's that's our you know, that's our distinctiveness, and it doesn't it hasn't worked like it should have in the last 10, 15, 20 years. This this fragmentation of our church, Dennis, is is a betrayal of that foundational vision. So, kind of ends with both hope and a little bit of foreboding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which seems yeah. to <laughs> seems to be the times that we live in yes yeah politically socially ecclesially um yeah yeah but well, doug thank you for taking the time to chat absolutely and, dennis love you always good to see you all right
Well, I hope that you really enjoyed that episode, especially if you're someone that's unfamiliar with the tradition of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. And even if you are someone that is very familiar and uh, maybe a part of, of a disciple congregation, to hear that perspective. And I'm hoping in the future that I can talk to other disciples about um, their own faith journeys and um, what brought them to where they are and where do you think that this tradition is going. Uh, a few show notes before we for, um, for, um, conclude with this episode. Um, the first is um, just a reminder to consider subscribing to the podcast and subscribing also to the Substack. Uh, if you want to join the Substack, you can go to um, Church in Maine, all one word, dot substack dot com, um, and you can join there. Um, you can also uh, become a paid subscriber. Um, right now, there really isn't a paid uh, paywall, but if you want, you can um, do that. It's uh, five bucks a month, uh, sixty dollars a year. Um, and anything that you can, uh, if you can uh, subscribe, uh, be a paid subscriber, that would be incredibly wonderful. Um, and thank you. That would help um, defray some costs of uh, of the podcast. Um, and also, you can um, also, I would encourage you to subscribe on whatever uh, podcast platform that you listen to this on. If it's not Substack, um, if it's... Um, Apple Podcast or Spotify um, or uh, Stitcher, Google Podcasts that you would subscribe um, so that you will receive this in your um, your inbox um, quickly. Um, also, feel free to share this podcast with others. Um, help others to know about the podcast. Um, and I'm hoping in the near future there are going to be some interesting people coming up. Um, so, uh, do please, uh, listen and then share this, uh, with those that you might know. So, um, that is it for uh, this episode, this episode, uh, 139 of, um, Church and Main. This is the podcast where, uh, we are at the intersection of faith and modern life. My name is Dennis Sanders. Again, I am your host. Take care, everyone. Godspeed, and we will see you very soon.